0: Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. I want to talk to you today about how prayer is our weapon against opposition. Prayer is a powerful weapon against opposition on this planet. See, because the truth is, and we all know this, we're going to face some stuff on this earth. We're going to experience trials. Jesus, Jesus even said, you're going to experience tribulation, you're going to experience difficulty when you live in this earth. It's the truth. It's that as a human being, in our experience, we're going to go through stuff. but we've got to understand that the things we go through are not in the natural. It's famous verse in Ephesians 16, "For our struggle." Is not against flesh and blood. In other words, it's not against the natural things. It's not against the things that we see, but it's against rulers and against authorities and against powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Prayer gives you access and power to pray in the heavenly realms. So that you come out of this dimension and you begin to see and you begin to pray and you begin to speak in the spiritual dimension. Which, by the way, is even more real than what we can see here. The spiritual dimension is more real than the person sitting next to you. It's a very real thing. And prayer is so powerful. We, we don't even understand it. I think prayer is more powerful than we know. It connects us with the almighty God, with the creator of the heavens and the earth. You know when you have a friend and your friend's connected, you think that guy's powerful. Oh, that guy's got connections. That guy, oh, he knows the owner of that place. Yeah, he knows the owner of that place. Oh, he went to lunch with that guy. He tweeted Elon Musk and he replied. That guy's got connections. He's got power. Well, I want to tell you today, you have a connection. You have power. Come on, prayer opens the way to power with God Almighty himself. Say I have a connection. We're connected through the power of prayer. When you pray, I'm telling you, things begin to shift. God created the world with words, and so our prayers create the world around us. God begins to shift. God begins to bend his ear down to hear the cries, the pleas, the prayers of his children. Prayer is so powerful. When you pray, God moves on your behalf. Look at what Spurgeon says about prayer. An amazing picture of what it's like to pray. Prayer pulls the rope below on the great bell that rings above in the ears of God. Some scarcely stir the bell, for they pray so languidly. Others give but an occasional pluck on the rope. But he who wins with heaven is the man who grasps the rope and boldly pulls it continuously with all of his might. Prayer sounds the alarm in heaven so the Lord can hear, and he begins to move on our behalf. Amen? Prayer is a powerful thing. The problem is that sometimes people treat prayer as a last resort and not as a lifestyle. We treat prayer like our faith, like it's a trophy on the wall that you admire, when in reality prayer is a weapon that you should wear on your waist It's something that should be actively used, actively picked up, actively handled in the life of a believer. When we talk about having a prayer lifestyle, a praying life, we pray in every moment. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. Does that mean all the time I'm praying all the time? Yes. (laughs) Come on, you pray in the car, and I pray at home, and I pray in bed, and I pray in the morning, and I'm praying at work when something weird happens. I'm praying. She said, what? I'm praying. He did, what? I'm praying. We pray without ceasing. It's a weapon and it's a supernatural weapon and it's powerful. Prayer is powerful. I think we understand sometimes that we have victory in in eternity, but because we lack the principle of prayer, we live as victims on the earth and we begin to lose perspective on who God is and who you are in him, living a life of defeat, living in defeat. While things are just always this way, Well, little things spin me out of control, I'm unstable. Don't come near me. I'm unstable. My emotions are unstable. My mind is unstable. My thoughts are unstable. It's a lifestyle of defeat, instability. We give in to fear, give in to worry, give in to doubt. Well, I don't know what we're going to do about that. There's no strength. A weak prayer life makes for a weak Christian. You give up when you experience disappointment. Every unexpected circumstance stirs your world upside down, but that's not the life that God meant for us to live. Can you say amen? amen. No, prayer unlocks the power in our lives. So that's why I love this story in 2 Kings chapter 6. The king of, of Syria, frustrated with Elisha, frustrated with Israel. He sends a great army to the city where Elisha lives. They live in the city called Dothan, and it's got city walls. And he sends this army by night. He surrounds the city where this prophet, where this man lives. His house is literally surrounded. The Bible says this in verse 15 and the servant of the prophet, Elisha's servant, said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Another translation, NIV says, Oh no, my Lord. Oh no. You know, when you look up the language of of this phrase here, it literally incites that he said this out of pain. He was so afraid. He was so unsure. He was so caught off guard by this thing. I mean, imagine you wake up and there's an army surrounding your town. Oh, no. (laughs) That's what he did. Alas, my master, what shall we do? Have you ever felt surrounded in your life? Have you ever felt suddenly surrounded? You look around, you're like, what is going on? Maybe it's in your health. Maybe it's in your body. There's just issue after issue, sickness after sickness. Maybe you're advancing in your years and you're getting older and it just feels like things are falling apart and you feel surrounded in your body. Maybe you feel surrounded in your mind. Maybe you feel surrounded in your thoughts and there's intrusive thoughts and and depressive thoughts and anxious thoughts, and you begin to feel surrounded in your very mind. Maybe you feel surrounded because you just keep experiencing disappointment. It's like, man, nothing's going right for me. I didn't get the job. I didn't get the raise. I didn't get the house. She didn't want to go on a date with me. <laughs> it's for the single people. Just disappointment after disappointment, and all of a sudden it feels like you're surrounded. Like, can I get a win here? Have you ever felt surrounded? Maybe you're a parent. And it feels like something surrounding your home. You're raising up children. Your kid says something weird. You're like, where did you get that from? It feels like culture's trying to come into your house. It feels like there's evil surrounding your home. You're trying to protect your family. You're trying to live out that verse. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But culture and evil and perversion and confusion is looming. And you have a perception of threat. And fear begins to come in because you feel surrounded. You ever felt surrounded? My question would be, what's your reaction when you face opposition? When opposition approaches, what do you do? See, the servant, he said, what are we going to do? Elisha, what shall we do? But I think sometimes when we face opposition, people are just flipping. Ah, what are you going to do about it? Pfft. It is what it is. Stuff happens. And you begin to accept and you begin to avoid the fact that opposition is coming after you. And you accept it. You're flipping about it. Now ah, what are you going to do? Or maybe... Maybe you're not flipping. Maybe, maybe it's that you're complaining. Well, it's always me. Why always me? Another thing? Ah, these things always happen to me. I'm used to it. I'm used to being defeated. I'm used to being down. I'm used to these things happening. It comes out of your mouth. Instead of confessing faith, you begin to just confess, ah, it's always the way it is. I'm just complaining. I'm just, Oh, another thing? I'm complaining. And this thing, I'm going to complain some more. What do you do when you face opposition? Maybe you're fearful. And you're like the servant, and you begin to say, God, what am I going to do? There's an army surrounding me, and my neighbor said this, and the news said that, and I'm shaking in my boots, Lord, and there's fear in my life. Do you respond with fear? See, Elisha responds, the man of God responds like this. In verse 16, he says, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. He looks at this servant, he says, do not be afraid. And church, I'm here to tell you today, do not be afraid. Come on, an army might be surrounding your family. An army might be surrounding your mind. You might feel like there's an army surrounding from all sides, but I'm here to tell you, don't be afraid. Don't give in to fear. Elisha immediately confronts the fear in this servant's mind, in his heart. You got to confront fear. Fear must be confronted. When you begin to feel like fear is creeping up into your life, because it's so sneaky, fear comes in like a, like a worm, like a thought of, huh. You see something. You hear a whisper of something. When you begin to feel fear creeping into your life, you need to shut that thing down. You got to shut it down. Leave no room for there to be fear in your mind or fear in your heart. Can you say amen? When you feel like you're beginning to lose hope, Like, I don't know if this thing's going to turn around. I don't know if things are going to shift for me. I don't know if I'm going to get better. you got to shut that thing down. You immediately have to confront the fear that is coming into your life when you begin to imagine outcomes. Because that's what fear does. Fear gets your imagination to start thinking about things. Come on, we've all been there. You start thinking this is going to happen. So now you start living off of an imaginary thing that hasn't even happened. And you're making decisions in reality off of things that are imaginary. Because fear is such a lie. When you begin to feel that thing creeping up in your thoughts, when you begin to hear it come out of your own words, you got to shut it down. Fear must be confronted, and it must be conquered. Can you say amen? Amen. Jesus himself said in John, look at this, John chapter 14, do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. He doesn't doesn't say sometimes, you know, it's okay, you can be a little afraid, you can be a little nervous. He just says don't be afraid. It's a command from Jesus himself. Jesus says, leave no room for there to be fear in your life. Fear must be conquered. Fear must be confronted. Fear must not be coddled. Yeah, yeah. See, sometimes people coddle fear. Oh, I love scary movies. You know, you want to watch a scary movie together? in this cozy, over scared together. Hey, are you afraid? I'm afraid. Let's be afraid together. And there's horror. Have you seen some of these movies that are coming out? I mean, some of the titles, some of the things that are going on, it is absolutely demonic. And you go to bed at night, and you can't figure out why you have nightmares, but you're coddling fear. You got this blanket of fear on you, and you're having nightmares. I don't know why I'm having bad dreams. Well, what are you watching? What are you ingesting? Come on, don't coddle fear Did you see what the news said. Do you want to talk about it together? Let's be fearful together. Come over here. Are you worried? I'm so worried. Are you worried? I'm so worried. Let's be worried together. Come on, we do that. Fear is not meant to be coddled. Fear is meant to be co- co- conquered. <laughs> I got my C's mixed up there. <laughs> I like this, though. You guys know where I'm going with this. This is good. Fear's like a shroud. It comes over your eyes. It darkens your perspective. It makes your world smaller. It eliminates your faith. It poisons the hope in your heart. Fear paralyzes you. Fear makes you lose a battle before you've even fought it, causing you to accept an early defeat. Fear when you accept it is like it's like you're accepting a lie over your life. I want to tell you today, reject fear. Don't stand for it, don't allow it, not an ounce of fear in your life. The servant of Elisha, he was shrouded with fear. He was nervous. What are we going to do? There's an army. And it's not that he didn't have an excuse to be nervous to be fearful. It was there. He could see it with his own eyes. But what does Elisha do? Elisha could see something that the servant couldn't see. Now catch this. They were in the same situation, two different perspectives. Same situation. Elisha gets up there. It's early. He's looking. There's an army. Hey, don't be afraid. He immediately tells him, don't be afraid. They could see something. He could see something different. He could see that those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then what does the man of God do? He confronts fear, and then immediately he prays. The Bible says Elisha prayed and said, Oh, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. Elisha looks at this young guy. You need to to stop freaking out. God, please open his eyes up. Lord, show him what you've shown me, God. This guy's losing it. Lord, open his eyes, please, God, so that he can begin to see with supernatural vision like I can. Elisha could see with eyes of faith. Elisha understood that the forces that were for him were greater than the things that were against him. And so his approach was not one of fear, but it was one of supernatural vision. What am I saying? I'm saying that when he prayed, the young man's eyes were open. Prayer will open your spiritual eyes. Prayer will open your eyes. As you begin to draw near to God in prayer, you'll begin to get God's perspective on things. You're not going to look at your situations through the lens of fear, through the lens of frustration, through the lens of anger, through the lens of of pain. But God's going to begin to give you a clear image of what's happening in your life. God's going to begin to give you His perspective. I encourage you, church, when you pray, instead of asking God why, ask God to show you His perspective pray for heaven's perspective. We can pray a prayer just like Elisha did. Lord, open my eyes. It's a powerful prayer. Lord, show me what's happening here, God. Lord, what are you doing in this? God, this is strange. I got fired from my job all of a sudden. Lord, what are you doing here? Are you trying to do something in me? Lord, open my eyes. Lord, speak to me ask God to show you what he's doing. He will open your eyes and begin to show you the reality of your situation. When you pray, it's like, it's like the image that you get, it's like scales falling off of your eyes. God will literally begin to heal the spiritual blindness of your life. You'll pray, and God will begin to heal you. There's a story in Mark chapter 8 of Jesus healing the blind man. It's an awesome story. The Bible says he lays his eyes, he lays his hands on the man's eyes, and it says this in Mark eight twenty four, and he looked up The man looked up after Jesus touched his eyes, and he said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. He could could see better, but he couldn't fully see yet. That's what prayer is like. Sometimes you start praying, and you're gaining some clarity here. I think I'm beginning to understand that this isn't about them, but God's doing something in me. I think I'm beginning to understand that this is not a natural thing, but there's a spirit on that person. I think I'm beginning to understand, God, I think I'm seeing a little bit more clearly here now, but then what happens? Jesus lays his hands again, right? It's a picture of prayer. And the Bible says, and he opened his eyes and his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. That's what prayer does to you. Prayer brings you into the presence of God where God can begin to literally heal the blindedness in your eyes. He can heal the blindedness in your faith. Where you're looking at the wrong things, God will help you to begin to see clearly. Can you say amen? Have you ever prayed and felt your eyes open? You ever prayed and you feel like, man, I'm starting to feel some hope now. I'll pray with people down at the altar all the time. We'll finish praying and I'll look them in the eyes because that's how you can tell. You look somebody in the eyes and I see hope in them. I see they've got a new peace about them. And they're going through something very difficult, but something changed in prayer. Have you ever felt that way? You pray and you thought it was about your sister-in-law, but God was trying to teach you patience. God's like, hey, I'm putting patience in you. Have you ever prayed and God said, and you felt like, oh, God's trying to teach you not to fear. God's trying to teach you to have some hope. God's trying to teach you how to overcome. Has God ever opened your eyes in prayer? C.S. Lewis says this. He says, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God. It changes me. Prayer will open your spiritual eyes. But then secondly, prayer will elevate your perspective. Prayer pivots your perspective so that you look upwards, so that you stop fixating your eyes on the fears and the focuses of this world and you fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. Prayer elevates, prayer makes you look up, prayer makes you look above your situation, prayer makes you look above your circumstance. The psalmist says, I lift up my eyes to the heavens to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Prayer fixes your eyes on Jesus Christ, and it makes the world smaller. It makes your problems smaller. It makes the issues grow dimmer, and it makes the glory of God shine brighter in your life. Prayer elevates your perspective. See, a low perspective will always react to reality. It's a low perspective. You're just seeing what's in front of you. But an elevated perspective will believe the truth of God, will stand on the word of God, will believe that God is for me. Come on, we'll be confident in Jesus Christ. God, elevate our perspective today. Amen? That we would look to you, that we would have peace, that we would have joy that we would walk by faith and not by sight. I don't walk by what I see. I walk by what I know, and it's the truth of Jesus Christ. Come on, I walk according to what God speaks to me. I walk according to what I read in the word of God. Come on, I walk according to what I pray. I walk according to the principles of Jesus Christ. I don't walk by the news. I don't walk by my neighbor. I don't walk by my feelings. I walk by principle, by faith, and not by sight. I focus on the unseen. Prayer is powerful. It elevates your perspective. It shifts your eyes up. Prayer will elevate your perspective on three things. Number one, prayer elevates your perspective on who God is. When you pray, God begins to show you just who he is. He begins to reveal himself to you. I remember when I was a young teenager, I was praying, and God just told me so clearly. I heard God say to me, I love you. And in that moment, I received and I understood, Lord, you're my father, and you love me. The Lord will show you who he is when you pray. He'll make you confident in him. He'll, he'll increase your faith. Come on, you're going to begin to believe without having to understand. God will make you stand on the principles of his word. When you pray, it elevates your perspective of just how mighty God is, just how good he is. The Bible says faith is confidence. It's confidence in what we hope for and an assurance about what we do not see. Come on, we're sure about the things we don't see. I can't see the supernatural realm, but I am sure about it. I am sure that God is on my side. I have an assurance in me. Come on, prayer elevates my perspective so that I can be assured in who God is. God is for me and he is not against me. Come on, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world, amen? Amen. Prayer elevates your perspective with God, elevates. The God of the universe is in my corner, but then secondly, prayer elevates your perspective on who you are. Say who you are. See, when you pray, God begins to reveal to yourself who you are in Him. You're mighty, you're strong. The Bible says you're a chosen people, you're a holy nation, you're a royal priesthood. Come on, you're the son and the daughter of a king. You're not just a nobody. God elevates your perspective on yourself. Come on, when you pray, God gives you confidence. Amen? Come on, I'm not weak. I'm not little. Well, I'm just a humble little Christian. No, you're mighty. Come on, you're strong, amen? Come on, you walk into that job interview and you tell the bus, you're going to hire me right now. <laughs> now don't do that. That might be, that might be too much. <laughs> but you walk around with a confidence about you. You're like the guy that walks into his best friend's restaurant. He knows the owner. You walk in, they're like, hey, is Jimmy here? Tell Jimmy I'm here. Is he in the back? I'll just go see him myself. Walks through the kitchen, sees all the chefs, open the fridge up, try a little charcuterie on his way to the back, sees Jimmy. How you doing? Hey, it's free today, right? It's confidence. Faith makes you confident in who you are in Jesus Christ. That's why I love the story of David and Goliath. It's a powerful story. Goliath. The giant from Gath, this fearsome enemy, approaches. And for days, he's taunting the Israelite army. He's taunting Saul and his army. And let me tell you, nobody, I mean, read the story. Nobody comes up against this guy. They're all afraid and they are out. But the Bible says that David heard him. David just heard this guy. Who does this guy think he is? Who does this guy think he is? David comes up against him, tells Saul, hey, I'm going to fight this guy. They're like, you? Yes, me. Look at the boldness on David. He knows who he is, but you're just a boy. I know, but I've got a God, amen? Amen. And God doesn't look at the outward. He looks at the inward, and David had faith. And so he comes up against the battle line with Goliath, and Goliath says, what, am I a dog? That you would bring sticks? That you would fight me with a stick? What do you think I am? Look at the boldness in David's reply to Goliath. I love this. He says this in 2 Samuel, David said to the Philistine, you come to me, With a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. In other words, you come to me in the natural. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of the hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied, by the way. You're not fighting me. You're coming against my God. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. It's getting graphic. And I'm going to give the dead bodies of all the Philistines to the birds of the air. Whoa. And to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know there's a God in Israel. And that all this assembly, all these witnesses, all these people, yeah, them, they're going to know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear. The battle's not in flesh and blood. For the battle is the Lord's, and and he will give you into our hand. Amen? The boldness on David. Come on, he knew who he was. Come on, this is your approach. You walk into that job interview, you read that to your boss. You say that. I'm going to, no, don't do that. But God gives you a confidence in who you are in him when you begin to pray. It will elevate your perspective on yourself. Amen? I love this, this little detail. The Bible says it so quickly, but the, when, when David went up against Goliath, Goliath approached him, but the Bible says David ran quickly to him. Like he was just ready to go. He was ready to fight get a confidence on him. Prayer elevates your perspective on yourself, but then thirdly, prayer elevates your perspective on what's happening around you. God's got you. Do you understand that? When you pray, you gain a new confidence on whatever's happening around you. That doesn't look good, but God's got me. I don't know what's going to happen with that, but God's got me. God gives you confidence through your life. I know who God is. I know who I am. And I know that in the end, whatever the situation may, may be, it will be good because God works all things, not some things, all things for the good, for those who love him. Lord, I love you. You're going to work this out for good. Come on. Even if it leads to death, after death, come on, in eternity, we have victory. That is just a transition eternally. I'm talking about in eternity in the heavenly realms. The victory is ours and I have confidence in Christ and in whatever situation may come, because God's got me. God's going to take care of me. You know, sometimes stuff might happen in your life. Just God's got you. Tell the person next to you, God's got you. I remember before the Awakening Israel trip, it was going to be my first time going to Israel. And, man, I was so excited. I could not wait. I knew it was a God thing. It was going to be powerful. And in retrospect, it was one of the most powerful things in my life. But in preparation for it, I had to renew my passport. And some of you guys already know, it's not a fun, fun process. So I submitted the paperwork. I did it all. I did it right. You know, I didn't do anything wrong. I paid the extra money, a lot of money to get it done in time and expedited and expedited again and all that. And I'm getting closer to the day where we're going to fly out. And I realize I don't think my passport came in yet. So I call up the agency, the passport agency, and they're talking to me. And I'm saying, hey, just let you know, I submitted my paperwork months ago and I haven't received anything yet and they said oh we're backed up call back when you're two weeks away from your flight date and we'll help you and I thought that's strange but in that moment I decided to trust my government and I, <laughs> I hung up the phone waited till two weeks started calling back, and I said, hey, yeah, last time I called you guys, you said to wait till two weeks, and so I did that, and uh, now it's two weeks. I still don't have it. I'm really nervous. And they go, oh, don't worry about it. We're going to try to take care of you. We're going to get you an appointment to go do it in person. And I said, sounds good to me. I'm thinking I'm going to drive to Boston or something, you know, whatever it is. But then she says, I want to warn you, though, we are very busy right now, and the appointments are very difficult to get, but I'll do my best, and I'll start searching your zip code and see what we can find. So she's doing a search and she says, oh, I don't see anything yet. Nothing in Boston, nothing here. Let me expand the search. So she expands it again. Still not seeing anything. Let me expand the search. She expands the search. Eventually the search has expanded to the whole country. I'm not making this up. And she says to me, oh, I found an appointment for you. It's in Denver, Colorado. Now in that moment, I had some thoughts. Come on, we all have an inner Karen. Come on. It's true. And she was ready to go. <laughs> she was, Lord, speak to your manager. I remember I asked the woman, I said, Are people really doing that? She said, Yeah, people are taking the appointments, they're flying out to wherever they're available and they're going back home. And I just thought to myself, I don't accept this. I remember saying to her on the phone, I said, I don't accept this. I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna get a good appointment. I don't know what it was. I just had a faith that I was supposed to be in Israel. And I knew this was just a little bit of opposition, but I knew God's got me. Hung up the phone. And I kept calling back. I called back so much. You know how like you know you get the same person and they know you and I, I kept calling, I started to know some of these guys. There's one guy he talked to me, he asked me about Israel, he asked me about working for the government and all that. Like, we we had some great conversations, started befriending some of the some of these agents, and finally this one time I called and I had been praying. God, I don't accept it. Every time I would call them, I would say on the phone, I'd say, Hey, is today the day that I'm gonna get my appointment? As a joke, they knew who I was. I'm talking to this one guy. And suddenly he says to me, as we're talking about life, he says, "Hey, one just became available in Vermont. Do you want me to get it? You got to tell me right now. It's going to go quick. Quick, tell me right now. It's in Vermont." He's talking like an auctioneer, you know, like he's got to get me this appointment quick. But I befriended him, so he was trying to help me. And he goes, oh, "Oh, another one just came up in New York. Now I got one in Vermont, New York. Which one? Vermont, New York? Vermont, Vermont, going to New York?" And he's giving me that whole thing. And I'm like, "This is awesome! I think I want to go to New York. New York." <laughs> And so I said, get me the appointment in New York. He got me the appointment. Come on, I went to New York, made it a day trip, had a blast, got my passport that same day. Come on, God's got you, amen? (laughs) You know, it's so funny because the day before we traveled, I checked my mailbox and I had another passport come in. So now I got two passports. Come on, God's just saying, don't worry, I got you. I'm gonna exceedingly, abundantly, come on, give you more than you can ask, think, or imagine. Amen? So in the end, I had to give him one back. But (laughs) prayer elevates your perspective on what's happening around you. Amen? So Elisha prays, and his servant's eyes are opened. The guy was freaking out. What are we going to His eyes are opened up. The Bible says, he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. See, in this moment, the servant can now see the truth he could see what was actually happening in the situation. See, there's a difference between reality and truth. The reality was they were surrounded by a Syrian army. The truth was their enemy was surrounded by the Lord. They had a greater army surrounding them that was for them than the enemy that was against them. And the servant could see it. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What am I saying? I'm saying that God's eternal truth is greater than any temporary reality. Come on, reality might say that you're done. Reality might say that you're sick, you got a health diagnosis. Reality might say you lost your job, you have no money, you're not going to financially recover from this. Reality might say depression has taken over. Reality might say your child is backsliding and they're never going to come to God. They're not coming to church. They don't read their Bible. They're not into it. Reality might say that. But we don't live according to reality. We live according to the greater truth of the Word of God. Come on, the greater truth is that God is for you. The greater truth is that by His stripes we're healed. The greater truth is greater is He who is in me than He who is in the world. Come on, the greater truth is Jesus Christ is my shepherd. The greatest truth is, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Come on, that's the greater truth. We don't live according to reality. We live according to the greater truth of the word of God. Can you say amen? amen? Psalm 27, though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. Amen. God has a confidence for you in life. So at the end of the story goes that the army begins to now advance on Elisha. Elisha opens this kid's eyes through his prayer. The kid's not freaking out anymore and The army starts to advance now. They come into the town. And look at what the Bible says. The Bible says, and when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord. He prayed again. You know, I love this. It's like the physical army now says, we're going to move. We're going to get aggressive. We're going to get this guy. Elisha doesn't have a sword in his hand physically. He has one in the spirit. And he begins to pray. And he prays again. And he says, please strike this people with blindness. So came, and he struck him with blindness in accordance to the prayer of Elisha. God immediately answered Elisha's prayer. you got to understand that Elisha's prayer and the power of prayer both opened the eyes of the servant and blinded the eyes of the enemy. That's how powerful prayer is. It will elevate your perspective, and it will eliminate the option for you to be a target for the enemy. Prayer protects you. Prayer is a very powerful weapon. It protects you from the enemy. It blinds the enemy to you. God hides you. We're hidden with Christ on high. Prayer protects you. That's why Jesus in the Lord's Prayer taught us to pray like that. Do you remember what he said? He says, "Pray, pray like this, deliver us from the evil one. When you begin to pray protection over your life, when you begin to pray protection over your family, over your children, I'm telling you, God begins to move. He will blind the enemy so they cannot even touch you. There might be war happening on the outside, but in my house, come on, in my camp, the enemy is blinded. He has no footstool. He has no door. There is no way. God, blind the eyes of the enemy. Let no evil come upon me or my family. Lord, let your protection, God, cover us. It's a powerful prayer. The protection of the Lord in the life of a believer. Prayer is so powerful. we got to understand that because of prayer, there was no battle. See, the battle was won before it was ever fought because Elisha prayed. There was no battle. Victory is the Lord's. The enemy was surrounded and blinded. They had no idea. They couldn't see in the spiritual. They couldn't see in the natural. They don't understand. They don't understand what God is doing in your life looks foolish to them. The ways of God look foolish to the world. They don't get it. They're blind. Their eyes have to be open. But to us, it's power. It's salvation. It's life. Deliver us from evil. See, because of prayer, we gain access to the power and protection of God. We gain a connection with Jesus Christ, the conqueror himself. Jesus is the great conqueror, and prayer connects us to his power and to his glory. Jesus is the great conqueror. I mean, all through the Bible, he conquered. Jesus is the conqueror. In Revelation, John gets a picture of Jesus, and he sees him, and he's got eyes like fire. He's got hair like wool. His face is shining like the full strength of the sun, the Bible says. Out of his mouth comes a double-edged sword, and his feet are like burnished bronze. The image, John gets, of the eternal Jesus Christ, the conquering king. Even on earth, Jesus conquered as a baby, he conquered and he, he overcame the persecution of Herod. He overcame the religious elite. He conquered while he was on earth. He overcame sickness and disease, healing many people, opening the eyes of the blind, opening the ears of the deaf, bringing healing to those who were sick. Jesus overcame. He overcame physical matter. He multiplied bread and fish. He turned water into wine. He, he, he overcame the elements stopping storms and walking on water, Jesus Christ is an overcomer. And when we begin to pray, we get under his side, we gain access to his power. We ourselves become overcomers through the power of prayer. It's how powerful it is to know Jesus. It's how powerful it is to begin to tap into that. And even on the cross, the greatest victory. See, in the natural, the cross looked like a defeat. It looked like a man dying on a cross, but in the supernatural. Come on, we know. It was the greatest victory to have ever happened, and we have access to this victory. That's why Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. Because though we may have battles on the earth, in eternity the war is won. Come on, it is finished. The battle is the Lord's, and I am a child of God. And so I don't fear. Come on, I'm not afraid. I don't give up. I don't give in. I begin to pray and access and tap into the power of the God Almighty. Amen? It's the power of prayer. Prayer is the weapon that overcomes opposition. Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.